Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com slash governance. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that explores the past one day at a time. I'm Gabe Lusier, and in this episode, we're looking at the day when America's most scenic and historic places were finally placed under the management of a single dedicated agency. The day was August 25th, 1916. President Woodrow Wilson signed the Organic Act which established the National Park Service and placed all existing parks under its protection. Prior to that legislation, the country's 14 national parks and 21 national monuments were all managed separately and by drastically different agencies. For example, the first national park, Yellowstone, was actually administered by the U.S. Army. This scattered approach to park management was incredibly inefficient, especially since the funding available for the park's operation and upkeep varied greatly from one agency to the next. The Organic Act put an end to that disjointedness and laid out the basic mission, philosophy, and policies that have guided the National Park Service ever since. The concept of a national park originated in the United States during a conservation movement in the 19th century. Until then, the federal government hadn't been too concerned with preserving land for public use. After all, it was far more lucrative to sell that land to private owners for the purposes of settlement and development. 
that somewhat mercenary approach to the nation's wilderness was called into question as more and more Americans moved westward and experienced the beauty of those areas firsthand. The accounts of those settlers, along with those of writers and artists, stoked the public's interest in the natural wonders of their homeland. Thanks in large part to the advocacy of naturalists like John Muir, that awareness was channeled into a nationwide call to preserve wild spaces, a call that was finally heeded in 1872, when Yellowstone was designated as the first national park, not only in the United States, but in the whole world. Over the next half century, new parks and monuments were created gradually, but there was still no unified service to manage them. Some were administered directly by the Department of the Interior, while other areas were overseen by everything from the War Department to the Department of Agriculture. As a result, some federal parklands were managed much differently and less effectively than others, a fact that many private interests exploited for personal gain. For example, in the early 1900s, Congress began toying with the idea of building a dam in the Hetch Hetchy Valley. Doing so would provide a reliable source of drinking water to the up-and-coming city of San Francisco. However, the reservoir they sought to tap was well within the boundaries of Yosemite National Park. The resulting backlash from John Muir and his fellow preservationists launched one of the first national debates over how to balance environmental concerns with economic development. In the end, the park's allies lost the fight and Congress approved the dam's construction in 1913. However, the Hetch Hetchy controversy was not forgotten. Soon after, John Muir's Sierra Club began petitioning the government for stronger protections for national parkland. They argued that if there was a single federal service in charge of all the parks, it would have enough clout to fend off those who would exploit the park's natural resources. That was a valid concern, as it wasn't just freshwater supplies being targeted. Hunters were killing off the park's wildlife. Ranchers were feeding their livestock on park grasslands. And timber companies were felling trees at an alarming rate. It was too much for a divided park management system to handle, but under unified leadership, the parks could have a fighting chance. The Sierra Club wasn't alone in the effort. The National Geographic Society also lent support to the cause, as did other environmental groups, journalists, and even some park officials. In response, Congress passed an Act to Establish a National Park Service. And on August 25, 1916, President Woodrow Wilson signed it into law. The so-called Organic Act created a new federal bureau within the Department of the Interior and placed all existing national parks and monuments, as well as those yet to be established, under its jurisdiction. The new agency's mission, as described in the Act, was to, quote, promote and regulate the use of the federal areas known as national parks, monuments, and reservations by such means and measures as conform to their fundamental purpose, which is to conserve the scenery and the natural and historic objects and the wildlife therein, and to provide for the enjoyment of the same in such manner and by such means as will leave them unimpaired for the enjoyment of future generations. The following year, American industrialist Stephen Mather was appointed the first director of the National Park Service. 
The owner of a borax mining company may sound like a cynical choice for a park's director, but Mather had already served as assistant secretary of the interior, and he firmly believed that wild areas should be preserved and made available for the public good. He had publicly lobbied for the new agency's creation, and as its first leader, he helped make national parks and monuments more accessible than ever. He added on-site concession operations so that tourists could buy food and other essentials without leaving the park. Concessions also provided a new revenue stream for parks and monuments that had been severely underfinanced in previous years. Mather also worked with railroads to increase attendance to the more remote parks, and he promoted the creation of a national highway system, believing it would encourage family road trips to the national parks, which of course it did. The national park system grew substantially during Mather's 12-year tenure. On his watch, the Grand Canyon, Acadia, Bryce, Zion, Lassen, Hawaii, and Mount McKinley National Parks were all established. In addition, Mather developed the criteria for identifying and adopting future parks and monuments, including ones that involve purchasing land from private owners. That last part was especially important as it allowed the park system to expand to the eastern United States, where much of the striking scenery in places like the Great Smoky Mountains and Shenandoah was already privately owned. Mather was helped in all of these matters by his assistant and future successor, Horace Albright. He and Mather were both members of the Sierra Club and were equally committed to the task of managing the parks more efficiently while still preserving their natural character. In 1929, Mather had to retire from his post due to illness, but Albright was able to step in as the new director and carry on the work they began together. In a little more than two decades, Mather and Albright were able to transform a mismanaged, underfunded collection of parks and monuments into one of the most esteemed federal agencies in U.S. history. Thanks in large part to the strong foundation they laid, the National Park Service continued to grow and expand throughout the 20th century and into the next one. As of 2022, America's national park system now consists of 63 national parks, 129 national monuments, and more than 200 other protected sites under various designations. Altogether, the areas under NPS management account for more than 85 million acres spread through all 50 states plus the District of Columbia and several U.S. territories. Thankfully, while the concept of national parks may have begun in the U.S., countries all around the world have since embraced the notion. Today, more than a hundred different countries have lands classified as national parks or some kind of equivalent. At the time of recording, there are now over 4,000 of them worldwide. That means that if you're lucky enough to have already visited all the U.S. parks, there's still plenty more to see in the global national park system. So happy travels. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can send your feedback directly to me by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. 
Thanks as always to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Mosley, and I want to let you know about my new immersive BBC Radio 4 podcast series, Deep Calm. It's all about how to tap into and activate a remarkable system that we all have hardwired inside of us, our relaxation response. And it's been developed to be listened to at any time you want to really unwind. I hope you'll listen wherever you get your BBC podcast. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, guys? This is Sean Lights Out Merriman. And Saturday, June 15th, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 17 returns to Casino Palma in San Diego. Get your tickets now at lightsoutxf.com. And we'll be live on Lights Out Sports TV, available on all major platforms. Doors open at 5 p.m. Pacific. You don't want to miss this one. It's going to be Lights Out. Lights Out Sports is free sports TV by athletes for fans. For details about the event and tickets, go to lightsoutxf.com.